Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. This map only led me through the San Fernando Valley into some Valencia oranges. It's pretty sweet. I'm Adam. Hey guys, I found this bag of gold next to a tree surrounded by dead Spanish guys, but that's probably just a coincidence. I'm Andy. So the treasure is in Murder Canyon on the shores of Stab to Death Lake? Sounds promising. I'm Kelly. I'm sorry to announce my retirement from podcasting. I'm going into the lucrative career of being a shepherd. I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This week, we're going to be talking about treasure hunting. Yeah, or Indiana Jones, one of the two. Yeah, some pirates, definitely. Both morally questionable. (laughs) So this week's episode is brought to you by our patron, RGS. If you'd like to become a patron and get access to episodes early and into our private Discord, look us up on Patreon. We'll even say your name on an episode. (laughs) Steve. I'll yell it from the rooftops. Over the rooftops. He does that. It's weird. The neighbors are complaining. <laughs> they do complain. So Latin's keeping it constant with treasurous. <laughs> <laughs> Treasurerum. Yeah. So while the spellings change, the meaning has stayed the same. Big old piles of stuff people want to buy. Or steal. Hunt is Proto-Germanic from Huntoyon, meaning seize or capture. So seize the stuff that people want. Yep. Are we going to learn that the greatest treasure was love all along? <laughs> Not Seize today. It. That was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Strangely, I did find a phobia for this one. Hmm. It's thesaurophobia. Okay. Because thesaurus is basically the same word as treasurous, but with a th sound. So thesaurus is a treasure, or probably more accurately, a treasury or a storehouse. Hmm. Huh. Is probably the common route there. I don't know what it means to be afraid of treasure, but (laughs) it's a phobia. It's shiny. Run. Is it a fear of treasure or a fear of hunting treasure? Uh, Just treasure. Hmm. Does does that have value? (laughs) Hunting the most dangerous treasure. Friendship? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So there's no science or history to this one, really. Uh, Since valuable things have been hidden or lost, people have been trying to get those things. One problem with it, though, is that a lot of treasure hunters tend to be kind of secretive. As we all learned in Indiana Jones, who treasure belongs to can be a murky political problem, and rich thieves can get targets painted on their heads. So (laughs) a lot of people who find valuable stuff keep it secret and turn it into money as quietly as they can. Something I've always wondered about is like, it's like, oh, yes, we're going to steal the Mona Lisa. Like, who the fuck is going to fence the Mona Lisa? (laughs) Yeah. So this stinks for a couple reasons. First, if someone finds a long-lost treasure and doesn't tell anyone, others will keep putting themselves in dangerous situations trying to find it. And second, I can't tell you stories if the people who found the treasures never told anyone. (laughs) Still, there's a number of stories I found worth telling. He's going to tell stories about people living quietly at home, and he's yeah. going to say, and I assume they have treasure. <laughs> the dozens of people who go into the Dutchman's mine. <laughs> God. 
So our acid pop quiz this week is very short. There's not a lot of trivia about treasure, treasure but trivia. I have a couple questions here. What was the most valuable treasure ever discovered? Or how much was it worth, let's say? Ooh. A lot. Like in today's value? Yeah. $50 million. That is a lot. Sean was recently telling me how much rich people spend on stupid cars and their stupid maintenance, so I can only imagine how much they'd spend on stupid treasure. I'm going to say $200 million. Ooh. I'm going to go right in the middle and say $100 million. Okay. Well, first a note, there have been a handful that were labeled priceless, so I can't really count those. But the one that I found with the highest price tag was the Schroda treasure found in Schrodoslaska, Poland, in the late 1980s. So there was a building that was being demolished when an old-looking vase was found under the foundation. It looked nice, and even better, it had 3,000 silver coins inside. <laughs> and, and one dancing frog. <laughs> <laughs> a few years later another building got demolished and an even larger cache of coins was discovered in an even bigger vase yeah. and they just started blowing up buildings basically yeah <laughs> they just started digging up the town and they turned up whole heaps of gold silver jewels and jewelry weird yeah but why but i mean what, what was it all doing there uh, did I write this down? Chilling out. Maybe I didn't. I know. I don't remember what it is. I'll tell you. So, so the government tried to keep track of it all and reclaim stolen or plundered items, but there was no way to know how much went missing. Still, the things that were left were valued at about $120 million. Ooh. So Adam is our closest without nice. going over. Plus the stuff that was missing, which was worth yep. another $80 million. <laughs> so Kelly is the closest. <laughs> Well, basically, uh, what after taxes, fifty million. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned out what happened was a long time ago, a king was short on cash, and so he sold a bunch of stuff to this town for like a loan, and then he was going to spend the money and then come and buy the stuff back. But then he died. But then hmm. the people were afraid that somebody would come to reclaim the stuff, so they just never used it. Weird. And huh. then they forgot they had it. <laughs> And then we found it. Honey, where'd I put that vase full of silver coins? <laughs> what vase full of silver coins? <laughs> I thought that was the garbage. I threw it in the cellar. No, I'm not going down there. <laughs> so the boogeyman's full of spiders. Our next question here. How many real life treasure maps have been discovered? I, I'm going to imagine there's not that many. Like zero. 27. <laughs> Five? Well, Kelly's got it. None, really. I mean... Why would there be? There's not often a reason to bury a huge pile of money, but if you do, you're going to remember where you put it. <laughs> Treasures get lost, but they don't often get hidden. Yeah, I heard there's never been an example of a pirate burying treasure. I don't know if that's true. Well, there was, well I'll, I'll get into it. But okay. There is one exception, though. Somewhere around 1950, some shepherds and a team of archaeologists found a series of 12 caves near the Dead Sea. What was the shepherd it, doing there? I don't know. I guess the shepherds <laughs> knew about the cave, and so they led the archaeologists there. I don't know why they were Herding sheep, yeah. Adam. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's what they do. They're trained sheep to find treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like those bomb-sniffing rats. No. Yeah. Or the mushroom pigs. <laughs> So inside, they found a number of scrolls. They were dated to somewhere between 500 BCE and 100 CE. 
They mostly contain parts of the Bible, making them some of the oldest Bibles ever discovered. Hmm. They were all written on papyrus, except for one that was made out of copper. Are these the Dead Sea Scrolls? These are the Dead Sea Scrolls. So while most of the scrolls were religious, the copper one was a list of treasures and their locations. It was a Jesus fanfic. (laughs) Then he held Moses close. (laughs) (laughs) There were some problems, though. First, the language of the scrolls was a little bit off kilter, close enough that when you compared it to a Bible, you could get a pretty good idea of what it says. But a list of locations has nothing to reference against, so it proved nearly impossible to translate. Problem two, the parts that have been translated probably made a lot of sense to the people who made the scrolls, but they mean dick to us. It's Jerry's house. Yeah. For Find inst- that one scraggly tree. Well, here's one. For instance, in the steps with the entrance at the east. Okay. That's by the, it. By the rock that looks like the dog I saw. God, once. that's the one. It says the Holy Grail's there. Ah. <laughs> While it's hard to translate locations, it's easy to translate things like gold, silver, and units of measure, so we know that there are 64 treasure locations, and we know that many are measured in tons. Oh, damn. (laughs) But officially, none of the Dead Sea's Copper Scroll treasures have ever been found. Curse you old dead people. (laughs) (laughs) Too vague directions. It'd be even funnier, though, if they just made it up and there's no treasure anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I bought, hey, guys, look, I etched this into this copper thing that we're hiding in the cave. <laughs> we buried 64 tons of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Your shovel hits a, a hard spot and a rainbow comes out. <laughs> what the fuck? There's nothing but Skittles in here. <laughs> say follow, follow it to the pot of gold afterwards, but if it's a Skittles rainbow... <laughs> And that concludes our acid pop quiz. Kind of a short one. So to my mind, and I feel like most people's, hidden treasures are mostly pirate treasures. So maps with X and whatnot. There's nothing to really back this up, but the source of it all is probably Captain Kidd. Ooh. Yeah, good name. So he was a colonist in New York in the late 1600s. 12 years old. (laughs) He became a captain via mutiny and was basically a hired thug for the governor of New York. Doesn't that essentially just mean he stole a ship? No, he was he was a crew member on the ship. Yeah. If you become captain by mutiny, though, you're taking it by from the guy who had it before. I, I guess. Know. It's like stealing by popular demand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stealing by vote. Yeah, basically. <laughs> hired thug for the governor of New York. What is he? The first NYPD? Ooh. <laughs> So basically, the governor would be like, well, kid, I don't have enough to pay you this month, but there's this French ship that's been causing me trouble, and it's just full of gold. (laughs) I heard they had your paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) So kid thought he was playing it safe since he got his orders from the governor, who was backed by some very powerful lords in England, but years of sailing around and killing people to take their stuff caught up with him, and he was hung for piracy in 1701. We're the lords of England. Good night. (laughs) He sort of knew his number was up, so before he was caught, he buried a bunch of treasure on an island in the hopes of using it as a bargaining chip if he was caught. When <laughs> he was the treasure for ransom. Yeah, basically. So when he was caught, it was dug up and sent to the court as evidence of his piracy. <laughs> Dope! <laughs> there wasn't a map, and it was only buried for a few months, but he did bury a treasure. So I don't really know why Captain Kidd hit a chord with people, but he surely did. Probably at least in part because his name has such good rhythm. (laughs) 
But there were countless songs and stories about him and his treasure. After a hundred years or so of retelling, Captain Kidd had apparently hidden treasures all over the dang place. And people have been trying to dig them up ever since. Yeah, I want them kid treasures. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like lollipops and action figures. So one popular area on Grand Manan Island where Kid used to visit had an old widow who had a dream where a headless slave told her where Kid buried his treasure. The spot has since been called Money Cove, but as of yet, no money has been found. Imagine it was hard to understand the headless yeah. slave. Yeah. <laughs> We changed the name to Money Cove, and we wanted to change it again, but Broke-Ass Cove doesn't sound so good. <laughs> Waste of my time, Bay, is kind of unfulfilling. <laughs> but the most compelling and probably false story is of a former member of Kid's crew who was on his deathbed when he said that there were two million pounds of treasure buried on Oak Island off the coast of Nova Scotia. In 1799, Daniel McGinnis heard the story and got some buddies to go out and look for it. Of course. Why not? Yeah. So It's a fun thing to do if you hate your kids. <laughs> Buried my treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so they found a depression that looked odd, so they started digging. They found some flagstones, so clearly something had been there. Digging a bit deeper, they found some oak planks that seemed to be pointing in a direction. Yeah, they, they point... In two directions, guys. <laughs> Good for us. <laughs> so they followed them and found a new oak plank every 10 feet or so. These led them to a pit where they started to dig, but they got the spooks at about 30 feet and ran off. Oh, there's spookums down here. Yeah. Pirate ghosts. Yep. Or are they ghost pirates? <laughs> so in 1802, a group called the Onslow Company went there to finally reclaim the treasure and resumed digging the hole. As they dug, they found stones inscribed with symbols, charcoal, and coconut fiber. So someone had dug a hole there before and filled it with stuff. So they kept digging. But the thing is, Oak Island is only about 30 feet above sea level. <laughs> so if your hole gets deeper than that, you're tunneling underwater. They'd found a garbage pit. <laughs> yeah. They made it to 60 feet, but then they couldn't keep the water out. In 1849, another company called Truro gave it a shot. They dug other shafts to, I don't know, give the water somewhere else to go. <laughs> yes, let's even it out. Yeah, but there's a lot of ocean out there. Still, they made it down to 118 feet, but they didn't find anything. Which, you know, at that point, how much technology did the pirates have to yeah, dig right? this hole? <laughs> so other companies have tried, but so far no one has found any treasure. But when digging giant holes and pumping lots of water, accidents are bound to happen. Oh, no. A boiler exploded in 1861, killing six people. A man fell down a shaft and died in 1897. And these days, the whole thing is just kind of a tourist trap. You can take a trip around the island and hear lots of spooky pirate stories. But <laughs> as of yet, no treasure. So with seven dead, you're you're saying it's a cursed treasure yep. now. Yep, yes. basically, if it wasn't already. Yeah, it's haunted by construction workers. Hey, hey Adam, <laughs> do you know who do you know who you talk to uh, about uh, getting work workman's comp from getting injured finding pirate treasure? Please tell me. HR. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll make so. a note of it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so our next story here is a pretty great one. In 1864, France was making a grab for Mexico, and the current president of Mexico, Benito Juarez, wasn't having any of it. 
he gathered up around $200,000 worth of diamonds, pearls, and jewels, or about $3 million in today's money. He gave the money to four trusted agents and sent them to San Francisco to buy munitions and reinforcements. On the way, one of the four just up and died. Well, it's a curse. (laughs) Cursed pearls. The remaining three thought he might have been poisoned by French spies, so they were a bit on edge when they arrived. It's quite a leap. Yeah. As they skulked into town, jumping at their own shadows, they couldn't help but notice that almost everyone in San Francisco was French. (laughs) Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) So they hightailed it out of there. Oh no, it's like the opening of Beauty and the Beast in this town. (laughs) (laughs) So they decided that they and the money weren't safe, so they divided it into six bundles, wrapped them in buckskins, and hid them around San Mateo. Little did they know that a shepherd named Diego Moreno had been watching them the whole time with interest. (laughs) A shepherd again. Yeah. So when the agents hightailed it out of there, Moreno walked around and gathered up all six (laughs) bundles. (laughs) These could have been lost. Get it? (laughs) The agents returned shortly after to find six freshly dug quite empty holes. (laughs) Ah, damn it. Sheep tracks. (laughs) (laughs) So two of the three shouted treason and shot each other. (laughs) (laughs) the third went home and died in a bar fight shortly after (laughs) jumpy bunch yeah so now moreno's in the clear but moreno was headed home and he stopped at cahuenga pass for the night he had a dream where he saw that he would die if he entered los angeles with his treasure so he hid the six satchels under ash trees before heading into la a second shepherd (laughs) (laughs) well hey what's that (laughs) So he arrived and suddenly fell ill. A friend of his named Jesus Martinez looked after him, but Moreno died of convulsions within days. Before he did, he told Martinez where he had buried his treasure. So Martinez grabbed his stepson, Jose Correa, and they headed out for the tree. But just as he started to dig, he had a seizure and died. Oh, no. They're all dying of gold fever. Yep. So Korea decided, and rightfully so, that the treasure was cursed and he fled home. I feel like that's sound decision making at yeah. this point. Yeah. So more than 20 years later, another shepherd <laughs> what <who> the heck? <laughs> was in the area when he caught a glint coming from a tree. He investigated to find a bag overflowing with gold coins. I'm getting myself some sheep. Man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Unaware of the five other bags, he jumped on a ship and headed to his home in Spain. Hopefully he got the least cursed of the six bags. Well. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. As the ship arrived after a long journey, the shepherd stood at the railing and watched his home grow larger, clutching his prize to his chest, which, to be safe, he had sewn to his shirts to make sure no one could take it. Okay. He yearned so much to be home and spend his newfound wealth that oh, he no. leaned forward just to be a few inches closer. Oh, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, he leaned a little too hard and tumbled from the boat where his treasure took him to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Tell my goats I loved them. <laughs> Korea finally overcame his fear of the curse and decided to go dig up the gold, only to be shot by his brother-in-law during a family argument that must have been quite heated. Yet another shepherd. <laughs> The secret locations of the treasure died with him, but the story stuck around. Over the years, lots of people have looked, but no one has found it. 
Crazy. In the coming decades, the terrain around L.A. changed a lot as new freeways and suburbs went up, leading some to believe that the treasure was under some house or something. <laughs> Then, in 1939, oil baron Henry Jones joined forces with engineer and investigator Enos Combs to finally find the treasure. What does an oil baron need treasure for? Good question. <laughs> so the two set out with metal detectors and, after some searching, decided that the treasure was under the parking lot of the Hollywood Bowl. Okay. Uh -oh. Permits were acquired with promises to share the treasure and the pair got to digging. Teams of reporters gathered to watch while the men dug furiously and they bored into the earth. It's another Al Capone's vault coming up. <laughs> were, they, were they arrested for tearing up the parking lot? Well, they got a permit. Oh, okay. But after 24 days, the pair had a 42-foot hole with nothing in it. So Henry Jones hung his head in shame, made his way home, and committed suicide less than a oh, month no. later. He hung his head twice. <laughs> Since then, no one more has died searching for the treasure, but it also has not been found. Good. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things where I simply assume, like, if the if one of the bags was just out in the open for somebody to find, I assume the other five were probably found and they just never talked about them. Yeah. Yeah. Could oh, be. lucky me. Like, oh, I'll just go sell this at the local. They never talked order. about them because they also died. <laughs> they can't talk about it, Andy. <laughs> Also, what about the bag that the guy dropped? Like, it sounded like he was just off the coast. It can't be that hard to find. Yeah, right. Well, but it's haunted by him. So is there yeah. a spot in LA where people just kind of drop dead every once in a while? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get stuck in traffic at that spot. <laughs> so here's another pretty great story. During World War II, the Germans used a lake for testing torpedoes and such in Austria called Lake Toplitz. It's frozen over for five months out of the year, very cold the rest of the time, and the only way to get there is along a narrow dirt path through the dead mountains. Sounds promising. Yeah. So the lake isn't crazy big, but it's cut off from anything else, so it's very stagnant. Only the top 60 feet or 20 meters is fresh, and everything else is so salty that nothing can live there. Oh, actually, I typed nothing can love there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also true. Those poor fish. <laughs> so lonely. <laughs> so this means that anything that sinks to the bottom just sort of hangs out there forever. So it's a tangled web of trees and old military equipment. After the war, people in the area started showing up at banks with British notes to exchange. <laughs> hmm. The notes were clearly fake, and when the banks asked people where they got them, they said the shore of Lake Toplitz. The lake gave it to me. Yeah, the yep. lady of the lake has been giving up British pounds. <laughs> she started a forgery ring. <laughs> this money is soggy and fake. <laughs> now, you'll recall from our counterfeit episode that the Germans had hoped to crash the British economy with lots and lots of fake notes, oh. and it seems that most of them ended up at the bottom of this lake. <laughs> It's all according to plan. <laughs> so people reasoned if they dropped a bunch of fake notes in there, maybe they dropped real gold too. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, that Nazi gold. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the part of the story that doesn't hold water for me, but it's true that when the war was coming to a close, the Germans did squirrel away a lot of gold. So there were also stories about a large convoy of trucks going up to the lake in 1945. So some people thought they might have been going up to hide a bunch of gold. No, they were having a picnic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
an industrial strength military picnic. <laughs> Lay out a very large blanket. <laughs> and so the legend of the gold in Lake Toplitz was born. But this is not a friendly lake. Not only is it cold and dead, but people just seem to randomly get murdered there. <laughs> murdered? Yep. Why is everything no one could so love cursed? there, remember? <laughs> A couple climbers were found murdered on the shore in 1946. It turned out that both the men had worked at the lake during the war, so people speculated that they had come back for the treasure but were murdered in the attempt. In 1947, some Navy SEALs went diving to investigate, but the project was abandoned when one of the men drowned. A man named Keller died near the lake of mysterious circumstances, and it turned out that he too had worked there. Hmm. A French teacher went missing the summer of 1952, and while looking for him, the authorities found two other dead bodies. Both of them had been shot in the head. Possibly by the teacher. <laughs> well, the teacher was found dead shortly after. An expedition was funded in 1959, which came back with boxes and boxes of forged banknotes, but nothing more valuable than that. In 1963, another diver drowned, and diving was officially banned at the lake. Since then, a handful of large, well-funded expeditions have been allowed to dive in the lake, mostly using unmanned diving robots. They always find forged notes and pieces of military stuff, but no treasure so far. Try and murder the robots, Lake. <laughs> Another robots come back out. Murder robots. <laughs> <laughs> but still, the rumors swirl. Some say that one of the expeditions found the treasure and kept it a secret. <laughs> Some of the boxes had Russian writing on them, so some say that the golden fixtures and tons of amber that were looted from the amber room of the Catherine Palace in Sarske Salo are down there somewhere. Hmm. And so, despite it being illegal to dive there and being deadly if you do, police still arrest 10 people or so a year for trying to get down there and find the treasure. <sighs> Ooh, the police are in on it. <laughs> so we've got a quick one here. The Nahini National Park is in the Northwest Territories of Canada. It is a beautiful area with mountains, canyons, and the Nahini River. Nahini is the appropriate name given to the area by the Dine people who lived near there and called it that. But today, I wanted to talk about how the river got its other name, which is the Headless Creek in Dead Men's Valley. Okay. <laughs> Certainly evocative. Yeah. Very descriptive. Can start a summer camp there. <laughs> so in 1906, brothers Willie and Frank McLeod went into the woods to try and find gold. After two years, their family was starting to worry. <laughs> they should have did been back ever, by now. <laughs> did they have a reason for thinking that particular wood had some gold in it? No, they were just prospectors, basically. Ah, okay. Yeah. So their other brother went looking for them, and he found, well, most of them. Oh, no. <laughs> their bodies had been tied to a tree, but their heads were never found. Pardon? Yep. One of the brothers was in the habit of carving notes into trees, and not far from their bodies, the search party found a note that said, We have found a fine prospect. Uh-oh. Crazy. <laughs> A few years later, in 1917, a prospector named Martin Jorgensen went out to find gold. He set up a little cabin and wrote letters home regularly. His letters said that he had struck gold, and then the letters stopped. When people went looking, they found his cabin burned to the ground and the remains of his headless body inside. Oh no, what's happening? <laughs> in 19 there was also a note that said, 
did I stutter the first time? <laughs> In 1945, a miner from Ontario was found headless in a sleeping bag. In 1962, a pilot crashed his plane in the area and camped out for a few days. He kept a diary, but one day the entries just stopped. Six months later, the site of the crash and the diary were found, but not the pilot. No one really knows what went down in this valley, but probably the most compelling theory is that there was a crazy guy who lived out there named Albert Johnson. He lived out there all by himself, and after a few deaths, the Mounties went out to ask him if he saw anything. Yeah, I did. I saw them headless boys before they was headless. <laughs> <laughs> so he was in his cabin, but he refused to speak or even look at the officers. They were peeking in his window, so he got a sack and covered it up and then went back to ignoring them. They came back with a warrant and said they were coming in, so Johnson shot one of them through the door and took off running. They chased him for 150 miles before he died in a shootout. In his possession were some gold teeth, maybe from one of the missing heads. But that's the best theory so far. Did death stop after that? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't find out when that happened, so I don't know if the some of the other deaths were after that. Maybe some sort of mountain man tooth fairy. Yeah. <laughs> gold! <laughs> From what I could find, though, no gold vein was ever discovered in the park. So if there's any gold out there, it's still waiting. They kept on finding the teeth on the ground. (laughs) No, just more heads down here. (laughs) (laughs) Can't find the gold for all these heads in the way. So do you guys know about Forrest Fenn? I was hoping you were going to talk about this. Okay, good. (laughs) I do not. Yeah, uh, I was so excited when I heard about it earlier this year. (laughs) It's pretty great. So Forrest Fenn was a man who served at the United States Air Force during the Vietnam War. He was awarded a silver star for flying 328 combat missions in 365 days. That's impressive. Yep. So clearly Fenn was not a man who did things by halves. Or slept. Yeah. So after the war, he moved to New Mexico and he opened up a gallery where he sold art and jewelry. He did quite well for himself, and he became a millionaire. Just like then, that, huh? Yeah, that was all it took. Just like that. Just sell some paintings, Adam. Jeez. <laughs> How about these posters here? Can I sell those? 20000 <laughs> So then, in 1988, Fenn was diagnosed with super-duper terminal cancer. The same cancer, in fact, that his dad had been diagnosed with a few years earlier. Rather than wither away in a hospital bed, Fenn's dad had opted for a sleeping pill overdose. This undoubtedly left an impression on Fenn, then 58, so he began to think about his legacy. You never want the doctor to diagnose you with super-duper cancer. Yeah. Oh no, you have extra cancer. (laughs) Sorry, this is classified as super gnarly. So he was really into treasure and adventure, so he thought, why not make an epic treasure hunt out of my death? So he got the idea to get a chest, stuff it with gold and jewels, find a good hiding spot, then be buried with the treasure for someone to find. Golden rubies. (laughs) He would make a poem with clues to his tomb, then wait silently for his discoverer. He was a terrible poet. (laughs) (laughs) So this may be the coolest suicide ever attempted. But in the couple of years it took him to gather enough booty, his cancer treatment actually worked, and he was given a clean bill of health. Oops. But, well, he had the box and all the treasure. It seemed a shame to let it go to waste. So the treasure chest became a sort of hobby. He would add things to it, 
gold nuggets, jewels, whatever looked impressive. <laughs> Every once in a while, he would invite someone over and open the chest at them, gauging their reaction and adjusting his bounty accordingly. <laughs> For 20 years, he fussed over his box, which by the time it was filled, had about $2 million worth of treasure inside. Oh, good. Heard some oohs, but no ahs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear any shocked gasps from you. <laughs> so then in 2010, he published an autobiography called The Thrill of the Chase, which ended with a poem guiding treasure hunters to his box. This was the first anyone learned that he had indeed hidden the box somewhere in the Rockies, and it was just waiting for the clever person who could decipher his poem. He cool. had 1,000 copies printed with a small publisher, and he just gave most of them to a local bookstore. The book exploded in popularity, and he got up to 20,000 copies in reprints. <laughs> in the 10 years since the book came out, there have been forums and websites dedicated to the hunt. When someone makes what they think is a breakthrough, everyone gets riled up again and heads for the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> Get into the mountains! It's in the fucking mountains! <laughs> so Fenn intended it to be a fun adventure, but some people have gotten a bit too wrapped up in the whole thing. <laughs> I was worried about that. Yep. People have scoured his book for anagrams and ciphers that could lead to the treasure. Some have dug up his family tree to find important birthdays or places his ancestors lived. <laughs> But Fenn insists that everything one needs to find the treasure is in the poem. No one's murdered anyone yet? Not so far. That's good. So people have decided that the clues meant the treasure is in someone's lawn or in a graveyard or under an outhouse, and they went digging for it. But Fenn says it's not near any sort of man-made structure, so please stop digging up other people's property. Oh, the poor outhouse people. <laughs> it's well, nice the, that he was, he's been available to consult. Yeah. Be rich. Well, the thing is, like, it the poem contains the word brown, which really stuck with people. So a lot of lot of holes were dug near towns with brown in the name, and outhouses are popular. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, he basically said after a few years, basically his full-time job was just fielding calls and letters about his treasure. Just like he always dreamed. Yeah. That's a pretty cool job. Yeah. But most serious of all, five people have died while treasure hunting Fenn's gold. In 2016, Randy Bilyeu's body was found next to the Rio Grande. Jeff Murphy fell off a cliff while looking. Don't do that. <laughs> Pastor Paris Wallace fell into the Rio Grande and drowned. Eric Ashby did the same in the Arkansas River. Michael Wayne Sexton died of hypothermia earlier this year while searching in Colorado. In the face of all this, Fenn says, seriously, people, I buried the treasure. Yeah. I was 80 <laughs> at the time. It's somewhere that an 80-year-old man <laughs> could get to while lugging 42 pounds or 20 kilograms of treasure. The moon? Don't yourself finding this thing. But before you gear up and head for the Rockies, I have to tell you that in June of this year, someone finally found Fenn's yep. treasure. So Fenn posted about it on his blog along with pictures of the box, but he stated that the lucky person that found it wishes to remain anonymous, which Fenn has honored. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool to find find out that they had found it recently. Yeah. And that was the last of the stories that I had. Ended I on a mostly heartwarming note. Mm -hmm. Never mind those other people that died. 
Look, if you fall off a cliff, I, I, I just seems like one of those things you can avoid. That 80-year-old man must have scaled this cliff. Yeah. Yeah, he would like, he would sort of narrow it down, but not by a lot. <laughs> people would get excited be like, well, it's south of Canada and north of Mexico. And people go, aha! <laughs> I've got it! His answering machine just said, I'll never tell. Wink! <laughs> and apparently people would frequently like go to his house and start digging up his lawn. Be like, you hit it here! <laughs> it's here! I don't live like, on the like an man could get to. Yeah, and he's get like, if, if I had it, I wouldn't put it in my lawn. I'd just keep it in my house. <laughs> and he's gotten a few death threats from people. That would be like, you tell me where that gold is or I'm going to come kill you. And his response to that was, I'm 90. I was planning on dying next to it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Anybody have any personal treasure stories? I've never found any treasure. Yeah. I hope he no. has the guy who found it over for tea occasionally. Uh, yeah. That'd be too obvious. That sounds nice. People would know. He could have other people over for tea. He'll just have to invite a lot of people over for tea. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Fen's lucky that that person even told him. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. But he didn't have to. I mean, that wasn't really his intent anyways, if I understand right. He just he yeah. said he just wanted to introduce like some adventure into the world. Yeah. Sometimes too much adventure, Cliff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never hunted a treasure. I I think ma- metal detectors are kind of cool. Yeah, I could see getting into that. Curious about geocaching because it sounds fun, but yeah. not curious enough to actually do it because it also sounds like work. Yeah. There was another story that I decided not to tell, which was sort of along the lines of Fenn's treasure, where another author wrote a book, I think, or a series of books, and it had these paintings in them, and the paintings led to like 12 separate treasures. And the the paintings were like, they went all out, like they had letters around and ciphers and pictures of landmarks. And so it's like, they took a lot of work to figure them out. And the treasures were basically a ceramic key in a ceramic box so that metal detectors wouldn't do you any good. (laughs) And there was like a a trust set up so that if you found a key, you could call this number. And if if they verified you had the right key, then you would get one precious gemstone of 12, Hmm. which is all really cool. But they made the puzzles so stinking hard that in like the (laughs) 20 years since the book came out, only one has been found. Damn. So they just 12 together. You can raise captain planet. Well, the thing (laughs) is apparently each one is worth less than a thousand bucks. (laughs) So it's not exactly worth killing yourself over. People like puzzles. Yep. Yep. People have fun with it. Well, if nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth? So pretty simple. If you heard about a treasure out there, how big of a payday would it have to be for you to go out and try and find it? God, I'd have to be set for life. I hate nature. <laughs> I, w- I need more details. Like, you just told me about a bunch of treasures. One of them's in L.A. Yeah. But I'm not just going to wander around L.A. looking for it. How much detail do I have on where this treasure is? Well, let's say that it's a ship that ran aground and there was somewhere a on the coast of, like, South America. So it's not anywhere civilized, and it's in the woods. It's not underwater. They do have civilizations in South America. I know, what? but I'm saying it's not anywhere civilized. So where it crashed, it's just an empty beach, and it's just somewhere out there. Yeah, that's too vague. Yeah. Five million dollars. Let's say you get details like to roughly where it is, to within, say, 100 miles. Five, 
like a, a lot of money. I want I want to not have to work ever again. Ten million bucks. Yeah. Because you got to mm. finance this too. Yep. Yeah. And then I mean, die. Like, if you know it's on the coast. <laughs> like even yep. if you didn't narrow it down any more than just the coast of South America, I'm trying to think like just just buy or renting or buying a boat or something and like just taking it all the way around South America looking like what would that be like a few months of time maybe I think probably a few years you think years yeah it doesn't take that long to get around South America though in a rowboat well I'm not saying a rowboat (laughs) well yeah but I mean you gotta you gotta look you gotta go slow yeah, that's true. It's not just going to be like a beam of light like it's a video game. <laughs> what? <laughs> you look for that column in the sky. <laughs> Honestly, I, mean, I, I just can't see myself ever doing this. Like, yeah. I mean, you're saying, how much money would it take for me to look? If someone told me tomorrow there were $10 million down there, I would not attempt to get them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, if they could assure me nobody else is that's, looking for it. That's I kind guess. of what I was just thinking about. Like all these people on forums reading this poem, I was like, "Yeah, that sounds interesting," but I got I got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, not when you got millions of dollars. But that's not guaranteed. That's no, there's no guarantee. Uh, but you're smarter than the other people, aren't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. That's how I feel. Kelly Kelly thinks I'm not smarter than the other people. <laughs> I think it sounds like a lot of fun. That's what I'm saying. You two have fun and you bring Andy and I back the proceeds. <laughs> We're not bringing you anything if you're not coming with us. I will fund your rowboat. I'm not taking a rowboat. <laughs> <laughs> I know who, who brought this up. <laughs> you did, you crazy dingy. <laughs> I mean, I think in the million sounds good enough. Like I said, if if I could be somewhat assured that there isn't like forums worth of people also hunting for it. Yeah, I mean, let's say that some relative on their deathbed like yeah. reveals this to you. I mean, I think I could do it for as low as a million. Yeah, maybe maybe lower even. I mean, but like Andy <laughs> said, you have to kind of cover the cost of doing it in the first place. Robots is expensive, like six hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, if I sold everything I owned and went out there, how long of a voyage could I fund? Probably not that long. Also, everything you own is everything I own. Yeah. I'd appreciate it if you did. <laughs> Bye, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Enjoy the streets. I'm off to become rich. Ottoman, I don't want to live in a rowboat with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'd have Although to be. Although she would look very cute in treasure hunting gear. <laughs> what do you do with a drunken toddler? <laughs> <laughs> oh, go to prison. Get, get reported to CPS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd have to be a lot. Uh, I'll probably go with Andy. $10 million, I think. If if some relative on their deathbed was like, there's $10 million at this spot. Go get it, Blah. I'd be like, hmm. Why didn't you tell me sooner? I've been living in this hovel. <laughs> <laughs> How did it get there? All right. So before we go, I have a bit of sad news today. We started this podcast in October of 2017 on Columbus Day. We're coming up on three years, and we've decided to do our last show on our anniversary. It's been incredibly fun, and we've gotten so much support from our fans and patrons, but we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to find topics, and the show has started to feel like more of a chore than a fun project. But as a last goodbye, without consulting anyone, I had a bunch of acid pop bottle caps made and turned them into magnets. So if you want one to remember us by, here's what you do. Go to our Patreon sometime in September and sign up as a $5 member. Patreon charges on the first of the month, so on October 1st, you'll get charged 5 bucks once. Then I'll shut down the Patreon. You send me your address, and I'll send you a bottle cap. I'll probably lose money on this deal, but that's okay. I feel like it's a good memento. 
And by becoming a patron, you'll get into our Discord, which I won't shut down, so you can keep chatting with us after the show is done. And everyone there is awesome. <laughs> yes. And hey, if there's anything you feel like we definitely need to hit before we go, now's the time, and there's no better way to let us know than on our Patreon. We love you. I'm, I'm lukewarm on you. <laughs> all right, well, I think that's all we have for this week. Thanks to my co-hosts for joining me today. Thanks to our treasured editor, Gerard. He's if, a gem. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast. You can contact us through our Reddit form or email us at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this show and get access to episodes early and the ability to vote on episodes, you can look us up on Patreon. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, there's gold in them there hills. Maybe. Yeah. Bye. Hey, guys, I found this bag of gold underneath the tree. Strangely enough, there was a bunch of dead Spanish guys around it, too. But there's probably no, uh, fuck. <laughs> no fucks. No fucks. <laughs> hey, guys, I found this bag of gold. <laughs> it's fuck. <laughs> no, now it's just here. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm Andy. Fuckity fuck, fuck. Me.